episode 82 of Story Mode Game Podcast, the official podcast of StoryModeGaming.com. I'm your host, Jesse Loves Avocado Monroe, and I'm joined tonight by Keelan Knows What Coffee Actually Is Simpson, and Simon, bit of a dickhead Evans. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> look, I'll take it. <laughs> no, you're all right. Uh, look, it, like, for I, context, the listeners, in the pre-show we just had, we just had some awful revelations come come to uh, come to a head. Some uh, strong opinions were shared about the what should and shouldn't go into an English a full English breakfast, um, and some thoughts uh, of regarding avocado just and mushrooms were shared. Con- controversial. controversial takes, I'd say. You know. What's your controversial breakfast food that you actually like? What's something that you think that not many people like? You're like, you know what, this is this is this ain't bad. Uh answer this food question on this video and podcast of ours. Yeah. <laughs> um I don't know, I've recently been eating porridge. And I know it's like such an old man food, but like Porridge is great. No, microwave porridge is actually pretty fucking solid. Yeah. yeah. That's shit, okay. Dude. You can dress it Reminders up as well. Thing. You can you yeah. can just you can do whatever you want with it, you know. Just add I things. like I'm, I'm a simple I'm a simple man. A little bit of honey, I'm good. Yeah, the it. vanilla oats and some honey, I'm a happy man. Mm. But you've brought me to, to, to I, I had an idea for what my answer was going to be for this, but you brought me into another thing. You're having cereal. Do you do anything to your milk? For one, do you put your milk in first or your cereal? And if you do put your milk in first, do you do anything to your milk? If you put your milk in first, how many fucking people have you murdered, you psychopath? What the fuck? You do not put your milk in first when you're making cereal. Why? Because if you then pour... Right, first off, because it's harder to get the ratio correct. For the same reason that you don't put milk in your tea first. Because it's harder to get the ratio correct. And therefore, therefore you end up with kind of shit tasting tea or um, just kind of shit cereal. And also, secondly, if you... doesn't work because they mix together in the tea. No, it it absolutely makes a difference. No. Absolutely no, makes yes. a difference. Is, right. Okay, well, well, can, I, can I look into why I do that? Why I do the milk first? And this is the, the real controversy here. Why? I like to put a little bit of honey in the milk. I like honey. And I chuck it in the microwave for a minute. That's kind of warm. Okay. You put your cereal in. You got, you got a milk nice first, soup that's- going on. Nice honey soup, they call it. If Where you're I'm from warming the milk first, that's a bit more logical and slightly less psychopathic. However, you also sh- still shouldn't do that because of the fact that when you then pour your cereal in, because it's going into a wet bowl, you're just going to splash milk everywhere, and that's a waste of milk. And what height do you pour your cereal from? <laughs> like <Up> that? High. <laughs> yeah. Some, okay, sometimes I'll like get, sometimes I'll do like a trick shot and like bounce it off the wall or like off my fridge or something. I'll get my cat to this like leans kick in. It. It's awesome. This leans into my theory that everyone from Perth is into extreme sports of some sort. <laughs> okay. Yeah, only mine involves cereal boxes and my cats. <laughs> Even the t-shirt you're wearing now, Simon, you look fucking ripped right now. You look like you've been doing like backflips and shit. I fucking it, it's terrifying. Parkour, I feel like parkour. you're gonna hit me. Hardcore parkour. Oh. But my, my, my first answer was going to be, I like Spam. I think Spam is good. And I know it was like a junk food, food from the army, but I think the Hawaiians know best. <laughs> okay. Spam is a good time. If you cook it. I've seen people eat it raw and that is cat food. Yes. Mm. Okay. Yeah. It goes through like an osmosis. Like when you put bread into a toaster and it comes out as toast. Okay. 
It's cat food, but when you cook it, it becomes spam food. <laughs> okay, <laughs> spam's good, ish. Although my doctor would disagree because he's like, your heart's covered in spam. You'd have died like a month. <laughs> <laughs> and Kieran, that, how about you? that Monty Python skit just plays out inside of spam your heart. Spam a lot more like spam, but too much. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, I wish I had a mustache to twirl after that one. Keelan, you have a mustache to twirl. What I, do you like for breakfast? What do I like for breakfast? I'm also a simple man. So whenever I have breakfast, it is basically just oats. Regular old oats, sometimes with honey. Sometimes okay. plain, because you know what? Flavor, you don't need that that early in the morning. You just need something to get you going. The coffee provides the flavor and the hair loss. That's, yeah, the hair loss, yeah, fair enough. Actually, yeah, I, I am somebody who uh, <laughs> I do sit down in the morning. I'm getting into poached eggs a lot. I like a poached Ooh. egg. So I have some bread. I put a little bit of smoked salmon or some ham and a poached egg. That's beautiful. But then I, I'm, you lost me at the smoked salmon. I'm like a... Tr- I'm like a tradie because I also have a can of Mother or V with it. <laughs> oh, God, I was going to ask. Next, it's going to be Dare Ice Coffees and four. Farmers four, Union, mate. And 20 pies. Is it four and 20? Four and, yeah, four okay. and 20. Four and 20. And 20. Four and okay. 20. 420 pies. It would be better different. if it was 420 pies. Fuck yeah. I think that's what they were going for, but they had to. Change it to be maybe slightly more marketable. <laughs> I, lo- I love, I love that this like old Australian brand from like the 1910s. Like, hey fellas, what are we gonna name the new pies? Oh, let's name it after weed. <laughs> nice. Yeah. We should charge sixty nine no, the- cents each. Fuck yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's do it. All right, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Let's get. Let's talk about some games. We've talked about breakfast foods <laughs> long enough. We had heated discussion over it. Okay. We're just going in, just going in circles, we're going in loops, if you will. Uh, Let's talk about Death Loop. I hey, saw you you telegraphed that one like a Dark Souls boss, mate. That was bad. Look, what can I tell you? It's all coming miles <laughs> off. Okay, well, sorry that I, my my segways aren't good, and you're better at Dark Souls than me. That was a double dig. <laughs> hey, hey, I'll have you know, I've only beat the first boss in Dark Souls three, and it took me three hours. So. You need more. You need more energy from your breakfast. I However, su- I suck. Deathloop, you do suck. Deathloop came out last week. Um, I went and picked it up after seeing some incredible reviews. I was not expecting it to be reviewed as well as it did. Um, Deathloop is the new FPS time loop action game from Arcane Studios. It's a studio behind Dishonored, Prey, and uh, or Dishonored One and Two, and Prey, and some other games. Um, and this seems to be like the magnum opus of the identity that they created with those three games. Um, for first up, get the ball rolling here. Arcane Games. They have a very, very distinct gameplay style and artistic mm. style. Yeah. Are you guys fans of their games? Go on, Gears. Oh, okay. Sorry. I have a very short take on it. All right. I love the games in theory, in practice, not so much. <laughs> um, I am also, the, the art style seems to be sort of almost linked. Like a, there's like a common thread there and there's something in it that doesn't really gel for me. But Deathloop is the closest I've seen that's it's come to something that like hits somewhere for me. What about you, Sai? But you, Sai? Never played one. Never played an arcade yeah, really. game. Uh, yeah, Dishonored 1 was sort of on my radar, but it was one of those sort of like peripheral things. I'm like, ah, oh, maybe if I get the chance to, and then Dishonored 2 came out what felt like a week later, and I'm like, 
okay. Yeah. And then uh, Prey had such mixed reviews and mixed reception as a whole, it put me off of even looking really seriously into that, despite a little bit later on, a lot of people being like, no, actually, I judged it a bit too harsh at the beginning, and it's actually quite fun, and this, that, and the other. So I've always, yeah, I've just sort of missed the mark with them. They've never quite sung to me, but Deathloop is absolutely... I mean, since, like, the first trailer, I was like, that looks like a fucking fun game. That seems like a game. The I first want to play. trailer being five hundred trailers ago. Mm. Even God, still, a lot of even still, like I'm, st- like I still, in- like <laughs> during that last Sony press conference, I enjoyed that trailer. Yeah. I was like, shit, yeah, this is cool. Uh, so, sorry, um, Jesse, I'm still like kind of amazed that there's this like big Microsoft franchise borderline headlining a Sony press conference. Like, yeah. so strange. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> so strange. So weird. But these things happen. Um, I like arcane games to an extent. I uh-huh. played a fair bit of Prey. The reason I stuck with Prey so long is because it had undoubtedly the coolest opening sequence. Because yes. visually, I've ever experienced a game. It, you don't even play it. You're sitting in a ship as it goes through a city to take you to work and the soundtrack is absolutely killer and you're seeing all the different like uh, teams that worked on the game as like billboards throughout the city. It felt so cool. And then you go through your first sort of uh, section of the game. Look, can I, can I, can I ruin the start, start of... I, I won't ruin the start of Prey because I think a lot of people are going to go back after playing Deathloop and play the rest of the arcade mm. games. But there's a point, you know, like half an hour in, which is like, oh, okay, this is a genuine cool little sci-fi thing they're doing here. The story opens um, up, right? That's yeah. That's what got me too. Dishonored, on the other hand, uh, I have both of them. I'd heard amazing things about Dishonored 2. My partner's played it since I played it and loves it. I couldn't get into it because it is a stealth game that seems to lack um, precision. And I think that comes down to the art style of it. It just felt a little bit, uh, for lack of a term, in very big quotation marks, dumbed down. I don't yeah. feel like I have to be centimeter perfect behind a cover. It's like, oh, uh, if, you, if you're pretty much behind cover, you're good. You feel like you don't actually have a body attached to your character. That, like, you know, oh, no, my knee's poking out of the corner. Something's going to see me. I never felt like that. And that continues with Dishonored a bit. But before I get into that, Dishonored. What is Dishonored? Um, Deathloop. Story-wise, you wake up as Colt. He is uh, on an island called Black of the Island of Black Reef. You know, you wake up. Um, you find out that you're stuck in a in a time loop, a death loop, if you will. And you want to break this loop. You want to escape the island and break the loop. To do so, you have to kill these well, six visionaries, five, six, seven. The visionaries who are sort of um, the people running the island. And then there is a wild card named Juliana. She's hunting you down. She can appear at any time. And she could be player controlled, but we'll we'll get into that as well. Um, You go around using weapons and powers, much like Dishonored, to take them out. Um, If you die, the loop restarts. If the day finishes, the loop restarts. And you sort of carry over the lessons that you learned on the last loop. And also with the use of a uh, a resource you pick up called Residium, Residuum, Residium. I don't know how to pronounce it. But you collect that and you can imbue certain things that you pick up to be around in your next loop. 
So you constantly get stronger. Despite the fact that there was an infinite number of trailers and gameplay, you know, walking and stuff for this game, it's not what I expected it to be. I, I was kind of surprised by it. And I think that sort of pushed me away a little bit at the start. So um, what did you expect, Jesse? I expected out of wild style that you have, you know, a, a 24 in-game hour loop right. to go through with. Um, and then you, you learn, learn the sort of on your own, stuff. a little bit more open. Right. You learn stuff. You can go any, anywhere across the island. It is just a persistent uh, sort of time scale. And then it looks back. It's not that. Hmm. The day's broken up into four chapters, if you will. So you got morning, you got noon, afternoon, and evening. And you can follow different leads at different times. So you can follow the lead to get um, Alexi. He's having a party in the main town called Upton. Um, you go through to Upton to get Alexi um, at night. And then you find out it's like, oh, okay, some stuff's happened here that if I change during the morning would be different now and make my run easier. So you start the loop again. You come back in the morning, you may just rejig a few things, move some stuff around, kill some people, destroy something, whatever. And then at night, the situation's changed slightly. Okay? So there is somebody, I can't remember the name, there's a scientist on the island, and he's doing experiments. Now, one of the things you want to do, obviously, is try and kill as many of these people in one run as possible, because your aim is to kill them all in the one loop. Okay. So you start trying to work out how to Hmm. push them together. So this scientist, he's doing some experiments and you find out that the reason he doesn't go to this party is because his experiment was successful. So he was very happy with himself and he was saying back to do some more research on it. You can go in there in the, in the, at noon, I think it is. Mess around with some stuff. The experiment fails. So now when you go to Upton to meet Alexi, this other guy's there as well. Now you have a chance to kill them both. But is it an efficient way to kill them both? Do you know the different how to get there quickly before something else happens kind of like i'm going to compare it a lot to outer wild even though like i said it's a very different game um for those who played outer wild there is a planet there's two planets that are real close proximity to, proximity to each other and one's gravitational pull is taking all the sand away from the other okay so things are being revealed on one planet while they're being they're disappearing on the other as it gets buried in sand um kind of like that where you have to kind of get in front of some action before they happen. You know someone's about to enter a certain room at a certain point, so you want to be in there when they do and stuff like that. So you need to work out what's the best way to get around, so you explore and blah, blah, blah. Now, when you kill these people, you get powers as well, like I mentioned. You get these things called slabs, which will help you along your way. So those are like I've got, temporary as well, or do they stick with you? Well, no, you can imbue them. Oh, so, so you put when the residual stuff Yes. Onto- Okay. So when you kill one of the, uh, the uh, what are they called again? I've completely what called Visionaries. Visionaries. When you kill one of them, they leave a, a shit ton of residuum behind. So you normally have enough to go back and if you, as long as you absorb them, you can get their weapon to keep for the next run, uh, more often than not, and their, their slab. Now, mind you, at the end of your, your the day, if um, you haven't used all your residuum, it disappears. Yeah. If you are killed, it disappears. Which I'll I'll get into a story about that in a moment because fuck me dead. Um, 
Hey, use your powers. At the moment, I've got one that sort of uh, teleports you to another spot. Very, very um, dishonored. Mm. Uh, one that makes you invisible. One that throws you. So you can throw people across the room. Um, and one called Nexus, which I really like, where it's like a you could tag a few different people. And what you do to one person happens to all of them. Ooh, so if you I go like into that. a room and you can see there's a few different enemies, you could just shoot one in the head with your uh, silenced nail gun, pop them in the head and they all go down. Or you can mm. use your melee machete execution. Oh, the execution is a game. Fucking brutal. Your melee weapon is a machete. So sometimes you would go up to them and you would stab them in the back and you kind of just cut right through them. Sometimes you just lop their head off. The worst one I've seen is when an enemy's back is against a ledge. You pull them back just so their head's over the top of the ledge and you just swing your machete down. It's like, you're like, it's like a guillotine. Surprise, surprisingly uh, it's gruesome. Jesse, I have a question actually while we're kind of like talking yes. about that element of things. One of the reasons that I bounced off previous arcane games that I played is because I guess the main form of interacting with the world, um, whether it's like shooting a gun or whatever it might be, never felt good, never felt satisfying or, or enjoyable to me. The the appeal is in the immersive elements and the, the stuff that you can do or build or or play with a, around the, the actual gunplay. What is the gunplay like in Deathloop? It's fine. I don't actually shoot much. I'm going back to quite stealth. I'm sort of a, uh, I've seen this described as janky stealth. I'm stealth until I'm not. And when I'm not, I get very loud. So I, one of my weapons I have with me at all times is a shotgun. But at the break case of emergency, when I break that case, I will kill everybody in the room with that shotgun. I just go around getting headshots. That's how I play um, Hitman. Yeah, kind of like how I play Hitman as well. <laughs> um, but one of the, that's actually one of the things that annoys me about this game is a lack of interactivity with the rest of the world. I wanted to, it to be a little bit more like Hitman, where I can like move thing, you know, poison food, stuff mm, like that. Mm. You don't quite get it. You need to kill these people in a very... You, there are multiple ways, but they're very scripted ways. Yeah, so there's like okay. three ways you can kill like one of the visionaries or something and you've got to do it that way, otherwise... Kind of. Um, I mean, you can just run in them and, and shotgun them, but you're not going to get... That's not what the game's trying to make you do. Yeah, It's trying to make you push them together in certain situations or get right. them at certain points. Um, and there's only like a... Some thinking behind it. So that's another thing that's, that pushed me away from this game at first is... If you go, in, go into this game with normal expectations of a video game of how you progress, it's not that. This is this game progresses in a way that I haven't really seen done. This is the best way I've seen it done. And I can't really think of other games that have done it, but I, I know what I've experienced this. So from from the way it's been described to me, I would have put this quite firmly in the rogue light category. No. Mm, but what uh, you're saying is elements not of it. It, it, it's got elements of a bunch of different things, but this is Arcane being very unique. This is a game that, that will start sort of a new sort of sub-genre, I think. Because it has a very unique take on things. You just don't progress the way you expect it to because there is a almost a detective vibe to it where you go and you follow leads. Mm. So you may go and just explore an area 
Mm-hmm. And you'll find like, you know, like a hidden door. You may hear, overhear somebody speak about a code that you can use later at a different area, blah, blah. Every time you finish a run, you you finish with information. But you could find that information in any order. So I've probably put between seven and ten hours in. There are going to be people who will play 30 hours and aren't as quote-unquote far into the game as I am. There could be people three hours into the game and they're further ahead. Talk. It very much depends on how you find information. All the information is there on every run. Um, I, I'm As far as I can kind of tell so far, you don't need specific powers to get to certain locations. Like, sorry, to finish certain missions and get certain leads and finish certain quests. You can do that all from the jump. Mm. It it just stacks together very strangely. The whole point of the powers and stuff like that, because you don't you don't get to keep all the powers at once. I mean, you you have a loadout, so you can pick two at once. Everyone's gonna have slightly different loadouts. Um, the ones I use are stealth ones. Um, so I go invisible, and I'll I'll teleport around stuff like that, and that will help me get to locations quicker. So the first time you get you know you reach a visionary, you're gonna go the hardest way there. You got to learn the route, and then you can come back later on, and you have you know, Metroidvania style. You have the equipment to kind of get through this place a little bit quicker, a little bit easier. Mm. So, like um, a lot of the meta game is taking place in your own mind. You got to keep track of things and understand and all of that. Interesting. Well, yes and no, because I know I'm going back and forth on a lot of these concepts in the game because that's how unique it is, and I think mm. that's a testament to how unique it is. It's so unique that it's going to have flaws with it. Um. The game holds your hand more than I expected it to. Really? Because every time you find a clue, it tells you you found a clue. Every time you hear hmm. something, it comes up and it's like, you heard this. You found this out. The code to this is this now. All it's right. like, ah. Yeah, but I think- I'm glad it does though because of how complex yeah, it is. Yeah, but it also <laughs> feels a little bit I feel, I feel like if it didn't do that, it would be one of those things where, you know, you'd, you find out some information three, four loops ago. And then you end you up at, at some random iron door and you're like, what's the code for this? Yeah, yeah, How the hell am I supposed this, to know the code for this? If this, this game ridiculous. was that, it would it would not be a top-build PS5 exclusive title. It would be some yeah. little single-A game. Yeah. yeah. But you'd, you'd it's accessible. It needs to be. Crash through pretty, pretty quickly. But because of how complex this is, those systems... The game holds your hand on. The parts that you remember become second nature. And I'm starting to get this rhythm, which is really flipping me on the game. I'm starting to really like it now because of it. Is when you go to an area that was really hard before. And now you're just like, okay, there's a camera there. I know what that is. I know when somebody's about to walk around from that car. I know where that sniper is. I know this area. I've done it. It It's not boring repetition because you're, you, you every time you come back, there's some slight differences. You've changed the world. Um, and you want to you know, sort of uh, use the exploits you've created. Um, but yeah, when you when you enter a room and you're like, I know where everyone is here. I know how to get everyone two seconds now pretty that, easily. Jesse, that's how I, I felt in that Blood Roots badass. run that I did um, on our big stream <laughs> yeah. because I had watched three, you no, four it. other people run through it over and over. I'm paying attention. You're understanding. I love that because that's a, that's a satisfying feeling that not many yeah. games can kind of like inspire in you. Especially given that you're talking about those little changes that you can say, I'm going to do this and make this a little bit easier for myself. That's cool. It's also where sort of my biggest complaint about the game comes from. So I like to play games 
but like I said before, I'll run around the shotgun if I need to, if I get found out. But I like to try and go through the whole thing without being spotted or just doing stealth kills. There's no benefit to it. Mm. The enemies aren't very hard. Even you yourself, you can't take too many bullets. I mean, one of the, the first slab you get is called something or other, but it essentially gives you three lives. So if you die, it will take you back just a little bit. And then when those three, those three are gone, you reboot the whole level. Now, the only time I've actually reboot, had to reboot a day and lost all my progress is that there is an area that takes your powers away. And I forgot to take... I, I was trying to do something. If I, if I say what I was trying to do, it may give away some of the plot, so I won't. But I was trying to do something with, with that ability. The ability of not having abilities, I guess. Um... And I got shot and I didn't realize I didn't save the gun that I got. I didn't save the slab that I got. I lost so much, but I didn't really care. I'm saying, yeah, this is still fun. This is still cool. Um, yeah, when you, there's no benefit to playing stealthy. If I get found, found out, I'll run up to people shotgun more and cool. I, I have a, I'm not going to gain anything for it. And that sort of seems antithetical to what they're going for the game because they're trying to create a very stylish game. But I think it almost misses the mark a little bit there. It's, it's very hit and miss when it comes to style. Some of the things you can do during combat, like your slide, your shotgun, you know, your I think the ability is called kinesis, where you can throw people around. When you string them together, it looks great. It looks really cool. But it's probably more efficient if you just go in there and run up to each person with your machete and chop them twice. Yeah, Jesse. Because they go down pretty quickly. If the game Super efficient. If the game lets me play like that, that's how I'm going to play it. I'm going to take the path of least resistance, you know? Exactly. And look, I, I'm starting to try and veer away from that and try and be more stylish myself. But at the same time, I don't feel like the game's pushing me to do it. What's the reward um, for being stylish? Nothing. It looks cool. When you watch all these trailers, you know, Colts running around, throwing people through windows, jumping up and teleporting and stuff like that. You just walk in there with a machine gun and get the job done, you know, in two seconds. Because people yeah. just absorb bullets. And because every... There's uh, four different areas, I want to say. Um, and each area is, is built to little zones, I guess. Mm. So, you know, the zone one may have, like, three enemies in it. And they bring an alarm. People will come in, but it's not so much... If you go from one zone to the next, they're not going to sort of follow you through too much. The alarm hasn't gone to the next zone. You're cleared. So everything's siloed. So if you get caught out and you see your shotgun on a bunch of people, it's like, okay, cool. I'll go to the next sort of area. I'll go through the next door. And everyone's still waiting around, not knowing there's anything happening. Mm. Just feels a bit strange. I think um, I'm, uh, I think it's um, the, the problem, I think, that like what it boils down to is that if you want to allow players that sort of creative freedom on how they want to take people out and how they want to do this, how they want to do that, they can't be punished for trying the loud option as it were. And the thing is, is that, yeah, if you go loud and you know, the alarm goes off, if all of a sudden the alarm goes off everywhere on the Island and then suddenly you go from having to fight maybe a group of like five, six people to having to fight a horde of islanders you're gonna feel like okay well stealth is clearly the only way i'm supposed to do this and it doesn't let you fail essentially it doesn't well, let you fail I, the way that you want to fail kind of agree with that 
so much of the game design is leaning into the stealth gameplay. It, the game wants you to play it stealthy. Mm. That, that's the whole point of it. I don't know. I, I, I just felt like I... Maybe be, be, make the enemies a little bit harder or, or, or something. I just didn't really feel too worried if people found out found me out. Um, that's one inconsistency with style. The other, and this is one that I didn't expect to be an issue, the music in the game is either exceptional or super dull. When things kick off, yeah, there's a real like jazzy sort of soundtrack going on and mm. it fits in with the vibe of the game so well. It the feels 60s. cool. Yeah, there's a real like swinging 60s vibe. But there's some areas, especially, I mean, I mentioned Alexi's um, uh, party before because that's the mission I'm playing at the moment. That's the area I'm focusing on at the moment. There's a nightclub area and it's playing the same track. It's like the same five second loop of music. And for a game that's all about exploration and, again, trying to lean into stealth, they need to understand that, hey, I'm going to be crouching in an area for a little bit while I scope out who's who's there and I work out the patterns. Don't make me listen to the same monotonous loop of music over and over again. There's only a few places where this happens and it's really bad, but it's really, really noticeable because you're sitting there for a while Mm. working out what your next move is. You almost want to get into trouble just to play the cool soundtrack again. That mm. that feels weird. Um, a part of the game that I haven't explored too much yet is playing as Juliana. Juliana, like I said before, she's the wild card visionary and she hunts you down. She will just come into the game um, and, you know, try and blow your head off. If you kill her, you get a bunch of cool stuff. And she's, she hasn't killed me yet. I've killed her maybe three times. The cool thing about this is it can be other players. And I could, you can turn that off because I know Simon, cool. you, you had yeah. concerns about that. You can turn it off and you can play as per usual and just a AI version. She comes to the game. You can hear, there's a little alert that cool. comes up um, and she locks the tunnels up. The tunnels are your way around the island. So you need to either kill her or you need to turn off the um, signal jammer and you can escape. But if you kill her, you get a bunch of cool loot. Uh, or, you, yeah, or it can be a play controlled. Juliana I haven't done that yet like I haven't been a Juliana yet I may give that a go I give that a go tonight but I've definitely had players come into my game because that was shit like you could tell that they were just playing maybe playing it for the first time they weren't sure what to do yet and I just shot them a few times why would you like oh yeah I can't wait to play this brand new game Deathloop yeah, I'm going to immediately go into somebody else's game oh no 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 it, it, it becomes unlockable a few a bit of the story in, you unlock it. But even then, I, I guess getting used to a new character. I don't know if she's got like different powers or different weapons or, or whatever. I think it was people finding their feet with that or having massive lag and connectivity issues. Either way, I fucking wrecked them. Well, so. that is actually a point I wanted to bring up is there have been reports of performance issues on PC. And, and- I can guarantee you on PS5 as well. I was going to bring this up. I haven't had a game crash on me yet for the last like year. Of all the games I've played, I haven't had a game hard crash. Deathloop three times. Wow. Three times. Three fucking times. It's really annoying a game of this nature where you have to finish, you know, your, like yeah. I said, the game's divided into four parts. The day's divided into four parts. You need to get out of the cave, do yourself and come back in the cave for it to save properly. 
you I've lost a fair bit of progress because of it. And even just some graphical glitches, while the game looks very pretty in that typical arcane art style, I was playing before and there was a whole section just wiped it out. It just completely phased out the game. Weird. It it it's very strange, but yeah, these these are uh, hard freezes are so fucking annoying. But yeah, PC issues having PC versions having issues. You watch the Microsoft, you know, the Xbox version will run fine. Mm. Uh, Very suspicious. <laughs> I was looking at a Digital Foundry video earlier, which was trying to sort of highlight the difference between the PS5 version and the PC and like going like for like in terms of settings and stuff. And it turns out, just from what I could see um, from, from like the sort of first few minutes that I did watch, it isn't actually the game itself stuttering in the true sense of stutter. Like it wasn't, you know, frame drops and input lag or anything like that. But for some reason, the game itself, um, there was, so they were doing a test and they were doing game running at 60 frames per second on a 60 hertz monitor and the mouse set to 60 frames per second mode. And it moved very smoothly across the screen back and forth about four or five times. Then they put the mouse up to 120 frames per second mode. So in theory, the mouse should be going a little bit faster, but it wasn't. Every, I think it was like 13.5 frames, it would stutter for half a second. And it was really weird. So, so I did watch that video, Sai, and it's an issue with the mouse like uh, curve itself, not the game's performance. The game is performing smoothly. But yeah, the but ma- the mouse speeds causes it to feel like there's a stutter God, to it. PC gaming's bullshit. It's it's a silly little thing that can be patched out, and um, there is. I mean, they did report um, that there is an actual stutter in the game, like every six hundred milliseconds or something like that. There's an actual proper stutter, um, which is like measurable. But a restart of the game fixes that. In any case, should also be a really easy fix. I'm genuinely hoping that the PS5 version doesn't like continue to crap itself, but I've not heard much like negativity around the PS5 version. See, but that's no, the thing. I, I, shit. I know a few people who are playing it, and none of them have uh, had issues. So yeah, I just maybe one of the unlucky ones. That's terrible. Though so to be to be fair, when the game's running like running properly. Very pretty to run, very smooth. It's a it, it, very fluid game, which makes stringing cool, you know, kills and executions and slides and all that together feel great. But when you get when it's hard freezes, oh, it takes a absolutely takes a win out of you. Now I know I've been very negative about this game, but I will say in the last like today I've probably put about three four hours in, and yesterday like last night I probably put about five in. I'm coming around to it. Now that I'm not thinking about it as a game with a normal structure, mm. I'm not expecting myself to have proper, um, not proper, traditional progression. This game is jazz. It's a little bit messy. <laughs> it's a little bit all over the place. It's something very unique. But then when you start to work out what they're doing, you really start to appreciate it. Again, busy structurally, this isn't really like anything I've played before. And mm. it's definitely not what I expected it to be. The way it's broken down to missions, but still feels like you're going from one part to the other very smoothly. And you can swap between your um, your leads on the fly. If you get bored of chasing down a lead in one area, you swap to another one. Do that. 
do a bunch of leads at once, but realize you have to go back and forth and it's everywhere. Cool game though. I like it. I like it. I, I need more. Definitely need more time with it. It's it's one of those games that I like there have been a handful of new games that have come out recently that I've talked myself up and, you know, being all for. Uh, for example, like No More Heroes 3. Super excited for that to have come out. And then I got the notification on my phone saying like, hey, don't forget to pick up your copy of it. Ha- still haven't picked up my copy. That was like a week and a half ago, two weeks ago now. And it's not that I'm not excited to play it. It's just that I have been so unbelievably busy recently. I haven't had time to start and invest into a brand new game. So hopefully my calendar is going to be clearing up a little bit soon, um, depending on Melbourne. Uh <laughs> And uh, yeah, maybe I'll actually have enough time to actually dedicate and try something like this. The good thing is, get back to you. Is it you can make it very bite size. You can choose to make the game very bite size if you play it, you know, one portion of a day at a time. Okay. Now, Simon and I can play this game, being a PS5 quote unquote exclusive. But Keelan. You can't as if yet, and there's a reason behind that. PS5, pretty hard to come, you know, to get a copy, to get a copy, to get a console in the wild a year after it was first, first went on pre-order. Mm. Well, so this last week made 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 one year since I remember it very very well. Uh, Lawn and I woke up early to cover to do like a live reaction to the PlayStation showcase they had. Um. And right at the end, it was like, oh, it'll be going on pre-order tomorrow. Okay, cool. We'll write up some articles and stuff before work. That'll be fine. And then I get a very hurried message from Lauren being like, hey, they're on pre-order now. Walmart had jumped the gun in the States and that just created a domino effect around the world. And what was meant to be a relatively thought out uh, launch and pre-order system went insane places crash everywhere uh, and then they had to pull pre-orders and then relaunch properly and it, it started like three or four times i was lucky i got one from eb games straight away i asked a partner if she wants one we both got one easily on the day the reason we got easily on the day is because not even people who had bots set up had a chance to get them set up at the time it actually the chaos sort of played into their hands of you know, just regular people who were just lucky enough to know about it going on pre-order at the time, and the bots weren't an issue. So I know a lot of people got them in the first sort of blast, but then when they pulled them back because they, all these servers crashed and then they had specific times, bots got them all, and they kept getting them every release. These fucking scalpers were taking them every goddamn time. But, being said, we're, a year in, we're one year into it, and they're still very hard to come by. Keelan, what's, what, what, what's with that? All right. We're going to go backwards first and, say, and just uh, touch on a point that you mentioned that I can't Back play Deathloop. Time. Well, I can play Deathloop. Hey. I just choose not to, Jesse. It's on PC too. We, we just said that. <laughs> hey, the PC version of issues. How's uh, your mouse? Not good? It's all good. Uh, We're fine. Get back I'll, to us I when your version con- of the controller. game stops. <laughs> get back to us when your version of the game stops crashing. <laughs> um, no <laughs> Jesse we have seen major delays um, they've been sporadic 
you know, stock replenishments across Australia where, where we are. Um, maybe once every three, four weeks, um, there's sort of like a big release of PS5 consoles and they get snapped up within 30 seconds because, like you mentioned before, those bots are up and running and scalpers are still going strong. Um, but we're going to be seeing that delay for a lot longer by the looks of it. Um, the reason being, as everyone knows at this point, COVID has uh, dramatically impacted um, the production of semiconductor chips. Um, and that's not just for the PS5, the Xbox Series X, that's for everything. I mm-hmm. bought a car recently and I had to turn over heaven and earth to get something quickly because most of the times I was being quoted for delivery of a new vehicle, uh, February 2022 for a a brand new car so um it's yeah it's impacting so many different areas uh with that being said sony have actually sort of um taken the time to to make a change to the console have you guys heard about this this Mm -hmm. new version the 1100 version the 1100 version it's a brand new like sort of iteration of the ps5 it looks exactly the same it performs exactly the same it is the same thing the materials are slightly different Um, there is a slightly different cooler inside of this console Um, it is lighter weighs less so therefore 300 grams less 300 grams less which is significant when you consider the the volume of consoles that sony is making um and when when you're using less material to make that cooler, you are saving a dramatic amount of money. Like a also without being funny, I was moving the PS5 around earlier because I was trying to clean up, and the PS5 is fucking heavy. That is a hefty. It's a big, boy. Yeah. It's a big boy. Big like, boy. It's not only big, but it's heavy. That thing has heft and fucking hell. Three hundred grams lighter would make a fair bit of difference. It's a bit of a chunker, and you know what? That's good. It is a power-hungry device. It gets real hot, so you want that cooler to be effective. Um, Now, this happens with consoles regularly, right? Um, There have been several versions of uh, the different consoles that we know and love, which are like, you know, functionally the exact same, but the internals are slightly updated. Maybe they're running like a different BIOS or something. Maybe they changed the fan. This happened with basically every PlayStation, like a few months in, maybe a year in there'll be a very slight tweak. I know when people think of, you know, your PS4, you have your PlayStation 4 Classic, and then your PS4 Slim. Now, there have been a bunch of iterations in between. Exactly, in between. And for the consumer, like, you don't see that. Um, The the reason that this this was picked up is because that that weight difference is fairly significant. 300 grams is a lot. Um, Now, a lot of people, there's been some misinformation floating around. Have you guys heard the... A concern people have had with um, the cooling performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they think it's running running hotter now. Though I'm I'm hearing it's running cooler. Yes. What's yeah. The that's the yes. that's the that's the thing. That's the funny the thing, thing it's is more effective. If you are if you are measuring the the heat output of the console and it, it, it's hotter than the standard, the one that came out at launch. Um, it's very possible to misread that and say that it's running hotter, but no, it's not. It's working more effectively. It's more efficient. It's just pushing spinning out more heat. heat out. Okay, cool. Yeah. So it's spinning out heat in a more efficient way, just in a more centralized sort of spot. So if you 
take the temperature from that same spot you did on the original, you're not taking consideration all the other places where heat was escaping on the original. Is that well, right? Well, yeah, sort of, pretty much. It's basically, it's running slightly more efficiently with a less, I guess, robust cooler. Um, and the reason for that is primarily to save money, but also because, you know, at a certain point in, de- in development of a new console, Sony has to lock down that design and say, we cannot make changes to this anymore. We need to move forward yep. and send this off to manufacturing. And, you know, after the fact, people continue to work on it. And this must be one of those those developments. Um, an interesting fact, Sony is now turning a profit on the disc PS5s. Really? Which, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Huge. That. So that's sort of to be expected within the first like eighteen months of the console. Yeah, but um, like this but is a lot sooner. Because of the situation, yeah, because of the situation happening with uh, the semiconductors and the shortages, like it, it, it's so it makes so much sense why there's a shortage of semiconductors. Just to go back to that, mm. it's such a simple, dumb reason. COVID means more people working at home means more people buying PC stuff. I saw that PC components worldwide for the last quarter of 2020 had gone up 23% in a single quarter. Mm-hmm. That's insane. That is so much use. And then, of course, you have so the two biggest semiconductor manufacturers. They're in Taiwan and China. There is the, se- the Semiconductor Manufacturing International Corporation, great name, nice. and the Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company. Fantastic. Friends of the show. Um, they <laughs> had to scale down operations because of, because of outbreaks, because of, because of COVID. So as they had to scale down, demand skyrocketed. Yeah. It's kind of fucked. It was interesting. Like it. You know, uh, there was also, you know, that initial point when COVID first hit, a lot of those major clients for those manufacturers, they cut their orders dramatically under the assumption that demand would go down because people were out of work and stuff like that and it was just there'd be less demand overall they were wrong so then all of a sudden they uh, made these crazy requests for like a ridiculous amount of uh, silicon and they've just they've never been able to catch up they can't it's not possible so here we are today and uh, we're still struggling to get our hands on ps5 consoles i'll get one one day and one day I'll realize that 600, what is it, 665 gigabytes? Not a lot of storage. How much? No. How much do you guys have? Segway, Keelan. That was smooth. I know where this is going. I like this. How much do you guys have left free on your consoles? Not much. I have no fucking clue. Not much. I don't don't want to look into it because I know I'm going to, especially with. The games coming out soon, like, I mean, February, there's like 500 games I want coming out in February because everything will be pushed back. Feb will be the, mo- the the month that I hit that limit. Yes. And I start getting the mo- notification saying, hey, too much, you're bad, get get deleting. Good news then, Jesse. I'm not deleting goddamn Astrobot. No. Don't, you don't need to delete anything, Jesse. All you got to do is spend a few hundred dollars to upgrade. Oh, excuse to spend money? Sure. Upgrade your storage, man. Um, September 15th, they released the um, the update to allow everyone to install new drives onto the PS5. Um, it was in beta before, but now it's official. It's all working. It's all good. You guys plan on upgrading your storage at all? Uh, I will. Not yet. I mean, I I don't use my PS5 anywhere near as much as you would, for example, Jesse. Um, in fact, it... <laughs> I went to move it um, because it's been sat in the living room for the past few weeks because my partner was playing Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. 
Um, and she finished playing that the other week, and it's just sort of been sat there in limbo because I haven't had the space to bring it back into the room. So after today, I did tidy up and a bit of a clean, and I'm like, cool, going to bring the PS5 back in here, put it down two minutes later. Oh, I was playing, I was planning on playing Genshin Impact later. I was like, no, you fucking weren't. Yeah, I was actually. So for the first time in like three weeks, the one time I move it, I actually want to use the PS5 now. So that yeah. happens. Yeah, I'm not using it anywhere near as much as, as I probably should, especially for the investment that it is. So I haven't used up that much memory. I've got a few games downloaded um, with the PlayStation Plus collection. Um, mm. Like I've got a few things downloaded on that, but even still, I don't think it's taking up a huge amount of uh, yeah. storage mm. as it is. You're not playing the Warzone or anything like that, so oh Christ, no. Good, good call. Well, <laughs> that's the reason I haven't got Warzone. I mean, there's a, a lot of reasons nowadays I don't play Warzone. But when it first came out, I know Len from Fan Critical was getting really into it, so I was in download and have a few games in them. But I just saw how big it was. Like, oh, that's going to kind of just jeopardize my experience with everything else that I'd rather be mm. playing. I'm not going to bother. Now, I do have a com- another complaint about this. I have the Series X as well. And you have the expandable storage for it. It's a little um, like a Seagate card, card mm. that pops into the back. It looks nice. It looks crisp. It is not... For somebody who... I, I think a few years ago... I, I can't really make the judgment as much um, nowadays. A few years ago, I would have been almost intimidated. I would have been intimidated looking at the PlayStation option. Because I look at that and it's like, oh, that's more complex. That's, mm. that's The Xbox One is just a memory card that just plug in the back. Cool. You're, sh- uh, you're, you know, you're, down, you're down 400 bucks, but cool. I'll, I'll explain what the option is just so that everyone is aware. Um, installing an SSD on your PS5 does require you to, I guess, disassemble the console somewhat. You've got to use a screwdriver. It. It's, oh, you know, really? it's, it's not hard. It's not difficult. But it is more complex than just putting what is essentially a memory card into your PS1 into the back of your Xbox. Wait, can I ask a question here? Because Simon, you said the reaction to a lot of, that a lot of people had when the um, the PS5 was first announced and the stand needed a screwdriver. Now, actually, something we skipped over: the new version yes. of the PS5, the the eleven hundred uh, series, finger screw has um, a little finger screw, so you don't have to use a screwdriver. Mm. But that was a massive issue that people oh. had. It's like, oh, it's just a screwdriver. Oh, this is anti-consumer. Who doesn't Guys? have screwdrivers? Well, for one, if you don't have a screwdriver, it, it perfectly fits a coin. Like It was designed to actually fit other things. You, like could, a use knife. A knife. you could use a lot of yeah. any flat-ended objects. It's a different sort of screw um, kind of fitting. But guys, most gamers have PCs and you have no problem adding fucking paste and shit to it. You're add, adding your ivermectin to the cooling system. Okay. okay? Adding the Hang horse on. paste to it. If I, if I may. All right. I'm just going to interject You may. Here. All right. First and foremost, if I'm going to do anything to my PC, that is in and of itself a huge mental prep. Like there's a day of mental preparation. I have to go fucking meditate in my Zen garden and like get in the zone before I do anything because there is that pure existential fear Fear. that there's going to be that one fucking time that I don't de-static myself on the edge of the case and I accidentally touch something and it fucks it. There is always that pure dread when you're in the middle of screw driving something and oh it slipped a little bit and you're like oh shit i think i fucked up my network card in my pc because i accidentally dropped my graphics card on it at one point um 
Just as a side note, I have to, when I turn on my PC, I then have to restart my PC in order for my network card to actually work. Anyway. You know the worst part that is? Now that I know what those two things are, I'm genuinely terrified. A few years ago, I'm like, I don't know what that is. Sounds <laughs> bad, though. My graphics card works fine. Um, I think it's just my network card. Whoops. Anyway. Um, but still, th- for me, part of it is that there's, uh, I guess, sort of a fine line. That if it's just, ah, oh, pop open this, put a thing in, you're done. Like with the Switch um, and with the Xbox Series whatevers, right? Cool. That is easy. That is how you do it. You pop open the thing, put in what you want, close it, you're done. If it involves a screwdriver, although, yes, it might technically be okay, that, to me, immediately screams, you're breaking the fucking warranty. You're breaking the fucking warranty. You're fucked. You're fucked. You're fucked. I know that's not the case, but that's immediately where my brain goes, and I'm like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. If I... Fuck this up. Uh, Simon, I'm going to buy you a magnetic screwdriver as a gift. I've actually got one already. There you go! I bought bought one when I was uh, redoing my PC, and I got a really nice, fancy little magnetic electronic screwdriver, and it is gorgeous. I love it. As much as I say that, I'm about to re... I'm about to, you know, take the guts out of my PC and put it into a... uh, I want to get a wall-mounted case. And I've been thinking about it so much. I'm like, do I... Do I really want... It was luck. It is pure luck and a lot of Keelan's help that my PC works as, as it is right now. Okay? Good job, Keelan. This thing is really? hang, it's strung together with, with hopes and dreams. Okay, It's barely running. Yeah. I'm going to stuff something up. When you, I, you're going to be fine, Jesse. It's like adult Lego. Just <laughs> use your common sense. Yeah. You've built things before. I like Lego, but let's not call me an adult. Um, let's not throw that term around like it's meaningless. Okay. To go to go back to the PS5, like Simon, look, I I feel that, and I think a lot of other people feel similarly because you know you're pulling this console apart. I was mm. I looked up a video on how to clean PS4 Pros, right? And it's got <laughs> it's got a um, a plastic cover over the top, which just clicks out. You just got to give it a little bit of force. You got to pull in the corner at a specific point. You pull in the other corner and it pops right off. And then you can just blow the fan clean. Super easy, super accessible, very uh, consumer user friendly. And I'm reading all the comments and people are like, nah, it feels like I'm breaking it. I can't do it. I can't take it off. I can't take yeah. the lid off. So I, I understand Is it one that. of the things I think it, because like, like you said, once you do it, it's, it's actually really easy. Same with the PS5. You take the side covers up. There are holes there. You meant to just chuck a vacuum cleaner on yeah. and it clears the whole thing out. Yeah. They're, they're designed to it's be able to take apart. Way. But I think the mentality is you don't take your console apart. Computers yes. are meant to be taken apart. Yes. And while taking apart a console, it's a lot easier, it's a lot simpler and a lot less to go wrong. It's just you're not sort of... It's not sort of part of the zeitgeist that this is well, I guess, yeah. uh, modular. It's a way. consumer electronic device like a fridge or something and you or a microwave. You wouldn't take apart your microwave. I just found yeah. out that on my fridge, you can reverse the way the door, you know, hinges on. You can take the hinge That's off madness. and add it to the other side. That is And I cool. realized for the new house, I'm going to have to do that. Guys, I'm about to fuck up a $1,000 fridge. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm scared because my partner thinks I can do it. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't attach a, a door. I'm not, a, I'm not an uh, adult, like I just said. <laughs> yeah, we know. Okay, um, okay. Oh, hold God, on. We're going worried. back to the That's PS5. You guys just need to know it is slightly more complex. There are a few sets of requirements that you need for it. 
obviously the drive needs to be compatible, needs to be fast enough for the PS5 games to actually run off of it. So to that end, it needs to be a PCIe Gen 4 drive and it needs to run at at least 5,500 megabytes per second read speed. Those are like the two major requirements. Also, it needs a heatsink and not all SSDs come with a heatsink. You've got to install that heatsink onto the SSD and then install that into the PS5 itself. So there's a bit of that, stuff you need okay, to be now, across. Okay, now Simon, I'm with you now. No, this is fucked. That, I don't like, I'm that, scared. There's to a bit me, of stuff you've got to be across. Yeah, the fact that I have to install a heatsink onto the SSD in and of itself, that to me is like... like to be, to be clear, guys... Itself, doing that is... <laughs> perfectly normal but doing it to a ps5 i feel like i'm about i'm like one fucking mistake away from completely voiding my warranty and fucking this thing up beyond to, repair to be clear the the heatsink is literally some adhesive attached to the bottom of the heatsink pre-installed you peel it and you just stick it on like a sandwich oh, okay. and then you put it in it's really easy like the heatsink with a raspberry pi that sort of stuff i guess so yeah yeah, it's real okay. simple. It's uh, it's all sort of pre-arranged for you to do it. You see, the thing that I really love about this is that it's helping to expose people who have no experience with, I guess, uh, tinkering with electronics to do so and like just helping to promote a level of like technical literacy, which is generally lacking in people. I, I really see it as a good thing overall. It's cool. Look, I can't, I can't argue with that point. It, it it is a bit daunting. I wish it was as simple as. Can you imagine if they brought back like PlayStation memory cards? I uh, have one and look like a soccer ball, and the other one look like a tire. Oh, dude, they should have done that. Really great marketing. Like the little tra- like the little purple translucent ones that you pop it yes. in. That would have been great. Even okay. if it was one of the things where you have to take the cover off and you pop it in, it would have been such a good little bit of nostalgia. Yeah. Oh man. Well, actually, that's something. Um, just on a slight tangent here. Um, as I mentioned earlier to you guys, I've recently acquired a PS1 and a PS2, thanks to our good friend, Josh Cotter. And, um, yeah, I've uh, ordered a PS1, a classic PS1 memory card off of eBay. And it's been refurbished and stuff. So, you know, it's obviously not the original original. But nevertheless, I'm just like, fuck yeah, this is going to be so fucking cool. If I was in in, um, the movie Inception... And I needed the constant to tell me if that was in reality or not. It would have been a PS1 memory card. I would have been able to feel it. I would know the weight of it. I would have been like that man. I would have been like fighting Mantis. I'll know what's on the memory card. When when I bought my first PS1, I bought it secondhand from EB Games. I didn't buy a memory card because I couldn't afford it at the time. I only had one game. So for four weeks until one of my friend mercifully gave me his memory card, I played Final Fantasy VIII with no memory card. <laughs> oh. It was Jesus, bad. I just, I just left the console on for like four days straight. <laughs> Oh, no. Now, wait. Before we get to the next topic, speaking of consoles getting an update, I want to go off script for a little bit. The Nintendo Switch got an update this week Mm -hmm. that is allowing Bluetooth connectivity for headphones. Yes. Now, I own a lot of over-ear headsets. I have four. And I always have them on because I always I'm constantly listening to musical podcasts. Okay, I'm just swapping to my PC ones, my PlayStation ones, my ones I wear on a walk, the ones I wear at home. 
are having to plug something into the Switch was actually a massive detractor for me. And there were multiple times where I thought, I'm going to play my Switch somewhere noisy. I've got wireless headphones. I just won't play my Switch then. It has been a detractor for me. And to find out that that could, that, that could be fixed with a goddamn software update four years into the console's lifespan is infuriating and I cannot understand for the life of me why. Okay, because um, look, I'm going to put it this way. The major reason, so consider the fact that a Switch is basically just an Android tablet. It's essentially uh, the same sort of insights as an NVIDIA Shield. Mm. The problem was that it, not that it couldn't do it, because every Switch has always been capable of this. In fact, the controllers connect via Bluetooth. The Joy-Cons, the yeah. Pro Controllers, mm-hmm. connect via Bluetooth. So it was always literally just something that they weren't enabling in the OS settings. Therein and of itself lies part of the problem with the way that I feel like Nintendo have handled the Switch in that the OS as a whole hasn't been updated for four years. We don't have like so many things that you would consider to be relatively basic features aren't there. Um, For example, the Wi-Fi card that is in the switch we know like people have actually pulled these things apart and tested is halved in power compared to what it's actually capable of doing all for the sole purpose of battery life Mm. that is it that is the reason that is the reason why you don't get you know, Bluetooth connection available on day one. That is the reason why you don't have a stronger Wi-Fi signal. That is the reason why, you know, all of these basic features aren't in there as you would sort of expect if you compared it directly with an Android tablet. It's all because of battery life. Now, that shit, that fucking sucks. And again, I could rant and rave about this. I haven't done, I've done enough about Nintendo doing stuff and just, getting away with a lot more than I think other companies could. I've, got, I've gone through that before. But, I mean, look, they haven't fixed the battery life. My Switch just still doesn't last very long. But now I can use my headset with it. It yeah. just... this The Switch is about to phase out into something else. We're about to get, you know, we're getting the new model of the Switch. And then I still think we're getting the Switch Pro, you know, announced sometime next year. Or Switch, whatever it's going to be called. This sucks. I, I feel as much as I, I can now go play my Switch more with my wireless headset, I almost don't want to play it a On little bit. I, maybe <laughs> because, again, I have a lot of these headphones and that's a really big part of my experience with the game is having my headset on, like, you know, good audio quality. Um, I just... I don't feel right. I don't... I don't I don't like it at all. No. Bad Nintendo. Oh, yeah. look, I mean, the newspaper hit him on the nose. Let's Poor keep in mind. Consumer focus like move from them. Like with, with themes on the Nintendo Switch, you've got the basic white or the basic black one, which is essentially light mode and dark mode on Discord, right? You choose, you swap it to basic black and then you never think about it ever again. But on the 3DS, you had so many options. Like you had custom wallpapers. And, you know, with that came sound effects when you opened up games or folders that contained games and they had music and all sorts of stuff. Like, these were things you could, yeah, you had to purchase them for, like, maybe about three, four dollars. 
but you got something with it. You got music, you got a you, two unique backgrounds, and sometimes you got sound effects. Sometimes they were dynamic backgrounds. Sometimes they weren't. It's like awesome. I fucking love my 3DS because of some of the backgrounds I've got. And I like changing between them, and it's super fucking easy. And yet the Switch, we've only had basic white and basic black since day one. But like, those are things that aren't directly affecting gameplay. I know people, and I've almost myself done this, gone out and bought um, wired setups to play with their Switch. People bought headphones or they bought like wired jacks and stuff like that. This sucks. And I, I, I'm honestly shocked that there wasn't more of a... I don't want people to come and be like, mur, 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 on the internet, whatever, even though I'm doing that right now. But I feel like there needs to be some sort of pushback to Nintendo. They keep pushing against the consumer lately. And even like even like yourself, Simon, like you're a hard, you love Nintendo. You're oh, a hardcore absolutely. Nintendo fan. You're the biggest Nintendo fan I know. But even you, when we talk about it, are getting really sick of some of their shit lately. Well, I mean, why they, isn't there they an need to realize, like, why isn't it's there an so internet unacceptable. browser? Give me a fucking internet browser on my slightly overpriced console, please. Because oh, there well. is literally no reason why there shouldn't be one. It actually has an internet browser built in that you can access and trick into letting you use it as an internet browser. And for some reason, they just don't enable it as a separate app. And I don't get why. And it, ah, like, just give me the oh. basic fucking things that are already there. Like, literally already there. <laughs> anyway. Look, at maybe they should learn a lesson. <laughs> at least we don't need a screwdriver to, um, you know, update it. And yes, Simon, you, you gave me a very, very good segue in the next topic. And I completely dropped the fucking ball. You did. Uh, guys, educational games. Well, <laughs> it's not even educational games per se. It's games being used for educational purposes. Because you have your educational games. I remember there was a game that we had in primary school. It was, I can't remember what it was called, but I called it Math Frog. And it was a frog. Guess what it taught you? Math. There was a geography oh. frog, but I don't like that one. Because there was I lots of animal are. maths games. I remember my sister yeah. had a snake game that was maths-based. So it would show you a thing up the top and you ride this 3D snake around this like map course and you have to eat the answer like Nokia snake yeah. style. Fucking awesome. I loved it. So you got them. But then there's also AAA games that have educational content within them. Um, this topic sort of came about because of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Ubisoft have announced that uh, Discovery Tour Viking Age will be available on the 19th of October. Um, it's going to be... It, it's basically a mode where you can traverse the game world on a guided tour. They've done it before for Odyssey, and I believe they did it for Origins as well. Yes. This one's going to be a little bit different. It ha is going to have a sort of a narrative thread to it. Uh, quote, players will step into the shoes of Viking and Anglo-Saxon characters from the time while living out their stories and adventures. So you're not going to play yeah. as a character from Assassin's Creed proper. You're going to play with different people throughout history, and you'll learn. There's going to be yeah, voice, uh, you know, documentaries built into it. You get to learn about history, the people that made it, what it is, um, the events, blah, 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 stuff like that. Um, they're going to reveal exactly what's what's to come. There's going to be a bit of a Ubisoft uh, showcase in in a few weeks, I believe, to, to highlight what's going to be in that. Cool. Um, now, it's not the only game that kind of dabbles into history. I know 
games like Civ, Age of Empires. I learned a lot of about history through Age of Empires, like yeah. the campaign mode in Age of Mythology. <laughs> <laughs> I learned a shit ton through there. Um, but this just shows that, you know, games can be used for educational purposes. Now, I just want to open the floor, but I just want to discuss this other thing. Have, are there any games that really stick out to you for having an educational purpose behind them keelan what, what, what do you think about this well, i think you really you, you stole my my one there but like age of empires um playing the actual the campaigns that they put together every single one of those missions has this thorough sort of like introduction like note thing there where you can just sit there and read and it's like you know two to five hundred words and they explain the historical situation what was happening at the time to cause the conflict that you're about to take part in um it gives you so much information i learned so much stuff when i was a kid which i probably forgot because you know tension span of a freaking gnat so um i i had a great time learning about that type of stuff i've mentioned it before but learning about like um mythological creatures and stuff like that in um, oh, yeah. age of mythology was like yeah that was game changing for me man that was Even awesome. about the heroes like ajax like i don't, I don't look do I, have i kind of forgotten what he did yeah but i learned about I him at the time. how ajax is but i know i i mentioned it before the hippocampus thing um yeah. just awesome i had no idea that was a thing and apparently it is um there have been lots of games like that that i've it's like can I just take go on a slight tangent here? Um, I played the Age of Empires four technical uh, All right. test thingy uh, yesterday. Guys, guys, it's good, <laughs> good, it, real good. A little bit buggy. I couldn't build. I mean, it, it tells you look, expect bugs. It's not finished yet. Yeah, yeah. But like, mm. I couldn't build a gate where my where my walls were. But the road building, like the the, the dynamic roads that are built between your um, buildings when you place them close to each other. Very cool. And the way your characters are so in... When I played it, I was playing as the British. It just auto, it's only the online multiplayer that you get to play. So it sets you as, as a British. And every time you go up a different level, when you click on your characters, their English becomes better. Oh. They start to have more words. Nice touch. And a real really touch. Cool. Like when you click on, the, click on the person to, um you know, pick from the from the bushes, like, Apple, Apple. Oh, it's so good. Um, Age of Empires 4, baby. Jesse, that's, that, you're getting me excited for that game. Um, but back, back on topic, um, there's one other game that I want to mention as well, which has like a different type of learning, something like to, to sort of, I guess, inspire a different way of like thinking about things or piquing your interest in something which you then go and explore further. And that game was Bioshock. When I was a young, impressionable <laughs> youth... I played Bioshock and I fell in love with the art style and I wanted to learn more about it. So started looking at like art deco artworks and uh, uh, architecture and that type of stuff. That was really interesting. Delving more into the, the, the depths of the, the themes and the, the uh, philosophy of objectivism championed by authors such as Ayn Rand. I started oh, no. reading one of the books. I got, about, no. I got halfway through and I'm like... This is shit. Nah. I hate this. <laughs> but I would never, ever have picked that book up had it not been for Bioshock. Simon, there's a Marvel What If 
with Keelan finishing that book and becoming yeah. a hardcore libertarian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like massive Keelan, arts we won't knob. tread on you, buddy. But, but you see, like, um, I find it fascinating where a game kind of like, because you're interacting with it, I, I feel it's more per- personal and you, you are, it's, it's closer to like a part of you. So you want to explore everything that it's kind of talking to you about. Yeah, I, no, I, I wouldn't no, no. have done I absolutely that. get what you mean. I wouldn't have you've done actually, that if I had watched look, a movie that was about those themes. Or it's because you have the agency in the game. I was yeah. actually going to leave this as sort of my final thought for the topic, but you brought this up. I might have to get into it. What games do? I think the biggest benefit of learning via games is the agency that a game gives you also sparks curiosity. Yes. You want to explore further because you you have ownership of what you've discovered. You want to be part of that. Mm. You brought up the Art Deco design of Bioshock. I got into I looked into a lot into our brutalist design philosophy after playing Control. Absolutely fell in love with it. It gives you a chance to see things that you won't normally see. If you see it in a movie, you're watching the movie more for its plot. Mm. You know, a movie goes for Two and a bit hours, everything's condensed. You are focusing on things. A game goes for 10, 30 hours, maybe. Maybe fucking 300 hours. If it's JRPG, But it gives you yes. time to soak in smaller bits that spark curiosity. You want to find out more. When I played Age of Mythology, I got really into mythological creatures. When I played God of War, I realized, like, look, Nordic mythology is much more than just, you know, the Marvel films. Correct. I started looking into it more. I'm sure there are people who, you know, they have careers. I, I, I have a friend who designs um, liveries for, for actual race cars now. He does a design for them. Absolutely incredibly ta- talented artist. And I know that he's, he kind of got into that playing, um, you know, racing games. Hmm. It sparked a curiosity and he followed that pathway. And that's something that if that video game wasn't there, you could read a book about a car, but you don't see it. You yeah. could watch a movie about a car, but you're watching it with the plot. When you're driving that car in the game, you you own it to an extent. That's right. That's your car and you want to make it look good. And now suddenly you're realizing, wait, I'm good at this. I like this. I want to know more about it. And I think while games like Assassin's Creed do the whole documentary route, which I think is very, very valuable. Yeah, sure. Do I do them? No. But if I was a kid and games had sort of inbuilt documentaries, I would have been all over them. It pushes you towards learning. And it, it again, one of those things, especially as an adult, I'm not studying. I'm not going to uni. There is nothing really pushing me to learn, if that makes any sense, beside my own curiosity. Mm. I will go down YouTube rabbit holes or Reddit rabbit holes or whatever to learn more about certain topics. Um, and a lot of time I'm finding that video games are, are things that push me in that direction. I mean, we just played... Uh, Rocksmith Plus. Yeah. Well, not necessarily a, a game proper. It, 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 it's more of a service. It's still sort of falls in that same category. I think it's going to spark a lot of people to learn instruments. And look, it's a very rudimentary learning that the game gives you. But then they'll go and seek out proper training. I'm sure Guitar Hero that's, launched a thousand guitars. That's yes. what um, you know? absolutely. Guitar Hero 4 did for me and drums. It gave me like a real rudimentary understanding of like how to physically play drums. Like I knew what drums were and what they sounded like before, but I didn't know how to do it in sequence and to make it sound good. And that game gave me that to the point where I was able to like program drums and shit like that. 
um, and have it sound natural and believable like an actual human being was playing it, not a computer. It's awesome. Well, I couldn't have done that without those games. I think there is another a segment of gaming that we've kind of skipped over when it comes to the learning aspect, and that is your simulator games. And yep. by that, I mean, like, PC building simulator. I've got it on on this computer, and I really love going into it and just playing about. Mm. And you go, okay, that's the size of that graphics card. That's not going to fit into that mid-size, you know, computer. This is how I should plan out my new PC. Yeah. Yes, you should. Genuinely, Done. You, you can. Like, genuinely, you can. Hell you absolutely yeah. can. PC building simulator is genuinely really fun. And also, if you play through the career mode, you get little challenges. And it's nothing too major. And, it, you know, it steps up quite naturally as you would expect a video game to do. But, you know... After several months in game of, you know, running this PC shop, you get like eight orders in at once. And, you know, the first person's like, oh, I need a new graphics card that has to be able to run this. So you check the spec requirements and you find out, okay, that's a graphics card it's going to need to be able to run this. And then you put it in and you check it and then something else is wrong. So you check this and check that. Or someone comes to you and is like, hey, I need, you know, this brand new processor. Can you do that for me? And you do that. And if you don't put the thermal paste on, you get shouted at um, in game. <laughs> it's quite funny. And like, it's really cool. Like it's, it's a really good, it actually helped instill the habit of make sure you always put the fucking thermal paste on. For the love of God. I mean, Simon, you just mentioned, you know, a few minutes ago that you sometimes get a little bit hesitant when you work on the PC. And look, I get that. When I first built this PC, Ask Healer, I was, I'm like, how many of these antiseptic bands do I need? <laughs> um, Eight. And I, I was terrified of it. And I still am. And if that game can instill some confidence in you, and I'm sure if I played it, I would understand what all these magical parts do. Graphics card, I know that makes graphics, I think. Yep. I believe now I know what a GPU, you know, what GPU stands for. Um, if that can instill that confidence in you as well, that's, that's a, a lesson learned. Yeah. But I mean, like, I know the, the simulator genre as a whole is a little bit of a joke. Um, you know, when you've got things like Goat Simulator and Power Wash Simulator or whatever. Yeah. But, but for, I know got, how to wash a house now. But you've got like. <laughs> and be a goat. Flight simulator at the same yeah. time, which is as thorough as simulators could possibly Look, be. Yeah. I will tell you guys with the utmost confidence, I can fly a plane now. Thank you. I'll do it. As I, long as that plane has an Xbox controller, <laughs> I will be able to fly that plane. Okay? Please, I hope I'm never in that situation. <laughs> Yeah, look, if you end up flying a plane that I am sat in, something has gone terribly, terribly wrong. But and to be honest, it's a flight simulator. Better off if I just dropped dead. My cousin is a pilot. Okay. I remember when I was younger, we would go to their place and he had a proper flight six um, setup. This is before he was a pilot. He had all that set up and he had flight simulator. He had a big screen and you would play it every night. And it trained him. They use stuff like that, I mean, slightly modified versions of it, of course, when training for the Air Force. They have video games because our generation grew up with video games. It is a way of stealth, kind of stealthily teaching people. You learn without knowing you're learning. Well, I was definitely the kid in school. 
I can't focus on stuff very long. Um, I should probably speak to a doctor about that. Probably. Um, but I, I, I have extremely bad focus, and it, it's actually getting worse nowadays. It's, at school, I couldn't, you know, focus on work too much, but after school, I'd play a ton of video games. And then I've, I've kind of looked back, and I've realized, look, I learned a lot in school. I learned a lot more in school than I gave it credit for when I was, you know, there at the time. There was a lot of shit that I didn't, like, have you used algebra since leaving school? I haven't. Yeah. No need to. Yeah. Garbage. A lot. But it's kind of like, yeah, but Keelan, you're a nerd. Get out of here, okay? In the same way that Simpsons teacher has taught basically all my pop culture knowledge, but you don't think of it when you watch it. You watch Simpsons, like, okay, I had a good time there. And then you see a reference, like, oh, wait, that's from The Simpsons. Now I understand why that was funny. I understand the context of, like, these people or this historical event or, or whatever. It teaches you by stealth. And I think video games do that a lot as well. Well, you bring up a Portal point. True, for example, sorry, is I knew nothing about, like, I wasn't very good at, like, physics-based things. <laughs> but now playing Portal True helped me sort of visualize the concept of, you know, uh, how acceleration works with, you know, gra- against gravity and stuff like that. I'm playing Polybridge at the moment. I know nothing mm-hmm. about engineering. But I'm starting to learn the basic principles of it as I play the game. Mm-hmm. Could I build a bridge? No. I'm going to say yes. I learned to drive from Grand Theft Auto Vice City by following the road rules. So did I. That's why I, can't, that's why I don't have a license. Mm. Yeah. Um, but but you, you raise a, a fair point in regards to, like, the Air Force. Um, I think there was a study done. This was maybe about sort of 10 years or so ago at this point. But um, they did a study on um, members of the armed forces, uh, civilians who play video games and civilians who don't play video games and tested their reaction time and almost across the board the the order went members of the armed forces shortly followed by people who play video games and then there was a significant difference to regular civilians because yeah. you like obviously a lot a lot of video games involve snap decision making and reactions and you know obviously not every game does but nevertheless you you know a lot of the games that you do tend to play the the ones that tend to you know be blockbusters and you know million unit sellers such as your your cods and stuff like that have you slowly train yourself to be better at the game by improving your reaction time by improving your field of vision and you know your eye for detail and you know like i don't i don't tend to play those games and so sometimes when i watch someone play and they'll be like oh yeah i see the guy in the building there i'm like how the fuck did you even see him like i, I didn't glasses i'm, I'm like that in just day-to-day situations <laughs> but sorry can i just touch on that point for a second though army stop Fucking trying to get people through via video games. That whole thing where they tried to run a Twitch and they were shouted off Twitch. Beautiful. Well done. One of the few good things that happened on Twitch, <laughs> you know, Ooh. in recent memory. Ooh. But the way that the army was shouted off Twitch, brilliant. Mm. Because it became super predatory when they realized, hey, we can sensitize some kids and get yeah, them into the army. Don't do that. Bad. A long history of uh, weaponizing video games. Um, against the young people to con them into <laughs> serving. Oh, only oh. to two reasons that actually I I read a paper, guys. I read a whole thing, and then I found out that articles had shortened it down. I'm like, ah, shit. 
Well, it's good that you went to the paper first. I'm not going to lie. Thank you. Look at me. I'm, like genuinely um, makes the difference. Andre Thomas, he's an associate professor at Texas A&M University, friend of the show, honorary friend of the show. Um, now I just grabbed some things from the article because they said it a bit more eloquently than I could. There's, he came with five different reasons why video games are a very worthwhile tool for teaching students in university in this case. First one, well, I'm only doing two, but the first one, players learn from failure. Games are a natural way to allow students to fail in a safe way, learn from failures, and try again until they succeed. Some games, like Burnout Takedown, well, he said Paradise, but I know he's talking about Takedown here, make failure fun. In the game, players can crash their cars, and the more spectacular the crash, the higher the points. This allows players to essentially learn from their mistakes, correct them, and try again. The video game theorist and author Jesper Jewell wrote in his book, the art of failure, that losing in video games is part of what makes games so engaging. Failing in a game makes a player feel inadequate, yet the player can immediately redeem themselves and prove their skills. This is, I, I, I reckon Arcane read that when they were making Deathloop. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's true. You learn yep. via failure. The best way to see the areas that you need to improve on is by failing at once. And you be like, cool, I need to focus on that. I need to get better at that part. Games give you a very safe place to do that. I love that he brought up Burnout as his, as his example. But it makes you, like, when you take away the explosion and the, you know, yellow card and rise against on the soundtrack, you are planning out a move. and You're taking into consideration the traffic, the wind. What is the ripple effect that this is going to cause? You have to take into, the, take into account the physics of it all, the timing of it all. You're having to look at a situation and analyze every aspect of it to get that that great score. That is a skill that you learn at school via multiple different things, okay? But this is sort of a condensed down easy version that I was teaching myself after school. The second one he brought up, which I won't read the whole thing because it's a bit longer, but games make complex knowledge fun. Educational theories state that students cannot be given knowledge. They construct knowledge in their own minds. Learners build on previously learned concepts to construct higher level and more complex knowledge to make it their own. The periodic table of elements is challenging to learn and remember for many students. However, learning a complex three-dimensional matrix with 27,624 values is easily accomplished by middle school students playing the popular video game Pokemon. Same Pokemon, if you get all your different types and attacks and blah, 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 and you create them into a grid, you're going to get almost 28,000 different combinations. Now, you don't look at that and you think of 28,000 different combinations. You know the methodology to come to those conclusions. So you're not looking at the periodic table as a whole. You're learning the methods of how to get to certain elements from elsewhere. But again, it, it, it changes your way of thinking. I think, I think this is a goddamn... Fascinating. That is, I yeah. wish I learned more stuff like this. That is a great um, article, like that that yeah. study. I, I want to read that, Jesse. It, it's it's really it's really good, and it's very. Um, it, I don't know. It it, it, it kind of spoke to me in a, re- a really cool way because you you think back of your own experiences, well, and it, it puts a lot of things into light. It's like, well, no, that that I, yeah. I have learned a lot doing yes. that. That well, I haven't wasted time doing this. <laughs> Without being funny, like I partially learned how to read using video games. 
you know, as, as a little kid learning to read. And obviously, what would I do as soon as I got home would be play video games or watch Gaz play video games. It helped me learn how to read. And, yeah. you know, I, I think that's partially, like, one of the reasons um, I enjoy reading as a as a whole is because you sort of go, oh, yeah, like, cool, I'm going to, you, you always get something out of reading. Like, you always get, you know, additions to your vocabulary and stuff like that. And I think the same is true for video games because, obviously, you you don't always, if a video game is done right and re- represents the setting correctly, then you learn parts about the setting, whether you want to or not, whether you intend to or not. And it doesn't matter whether it's historic setting or if it is a high fantasy setting, you learn information about that world and then you go, ah, that sounds pretty familiar. And then you make the connection on your own as to how it relates to something similar in the real world and to how, mm. you know, ah, oh, this magical disaster that happened in the world of Forlorn 17 million years ago and, you know, whatever. Cool. Great. Fun. And then you go, oh, wait, hang on. No, the way everything died sounds pretty pretty similar to one of the great mass extinction events that actually has happened here on Earth. And Video like, link to real life. Go- yeah, like, doesn't matter. Obviously, we, we draw, as creative people, we draw inspiration from everything in our real world. And the same goes for anyone who's ever thought about making a video game. You are drawing m- more than you realize from the real world. And that is not a bad thing by any measure because it leaves these little breadcrumbs for people to discover some, like, some of the coolest shit in the real world because you did something fun in a video game. And I love that. Yeah. And I think I like that a lot of um, developers are starting to, you know, work with um, kind of uh, educators more to make games for people learning about stuff that are more than just a snake picking a number. There's a game that I found. It was called Arte Masanis. I've definitely butchered the pronunciation of that, but look, I need to play the game to pronounce it right, I guess. (laughs) Um, This game supports traditional college-level art history and art appreciation courses you play as the head of the Medici family during the Italian Renaissance, and you have to keep the finances of the family up by understanding and utilizing local and international economies at the time, and also art artists and art patrons. So you have to understand how the economy of art worked at that time through discovering paintings and artists, and it works along the with alongside the syllabus that you get if you're studying this at a goddamn college level. That's cool. That's that engaging cool. as hell. That's awesome. I did a little bit, of, a little tiny little bit of art history back in high school, and it bored the shit out of me. Wasn't for me. But I'm also thinking, I was trying to learn what is a, essentially a, a, a visual, a very visual medium. One of the most visual mediums, art, <laughs> by reading books. <laughs> it didn't click. There was this mm. complete lack of connection between what I thought it was going to be and what it was, and I just I, I, I disconnected from it. That brings me to a question before we start to wrap up. Why do you think this hasn't been more widely embraced? <laughs> Video games and learning. Why do you think it is still almost like a taboo subject? Because it's hard. It's difficult to pull off a game like the one you just described, Jesse. It has to be like 
thematically like consistent with the content that you're learning. And also developing a game is difficult. It's much easier to write an essay than it is to make a game. That's so, it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah fair. fair. Um, I, my personal opinion is not even that complicated. I think it comes down to prejudice because video games are still treated as a gimmick. They're still treated, even though, you know, it's the, the fastest growing and now the biggest form of media in the world, it is still treated as like this weird outlier you know, you talk to someone about this book that you read, and, oh, yeah, cool. Or this movie that you saw, or this TV show that you just finished binging on Netflix. Cool. Everyone understands that and appreciates that and goes, yeah, that was cool. But if you say, oh, no, I smashed out this video game, it, like, across this whole weekend. Obviously, nowadays, if you're talking to someone around sort of our age, most people be like, yeah, cool, that sounds like a good time. But if you talk to someone who's sort of in their, I would argue, maybe, like, mid-50s, and above, you're probably going to get a, like... Why are you wasting your time? Why are you doing that? What are you... Like, why are you wasting your time? Build a table. That? Yeah. Like, Hunt a deer. Learn a craft. Why don't you go hiking or something? I don't know. Things like that. And it's like, well, you know, plenty of reasons why I do this. And the other thing as well that I uh, just thought about is Minecraft as a whole is a... F- Mass appeal to kids. There's actually an educational version of the game that has been produced. Um, you know, working with uh, you know professional educators and stuff, and loads of little things were were done just to make these game like a game like that so useful as a tool, and not just because oh it's a great way to build a thing and help visualize it, but also because of the fact that you know just from the interactions that you have, people learn things. For example, if you tried to feed a chocolate chip cookie to a parrot, that is how you used to tame one, and so loads of kids would like try real life would try and feed a parrot a chocolate chip cookie, but a chocolate chip cookie is actually incredibly toxic to a lot of, of avian species. So they changed that in-game. So instead, it actually hurts the bird and the bird flies away and is really sad. So kids stopped doing it and unlearned That's cool. that they, they learned a real-life lesson. That's yeah, cool. like genuinely, that is an actual oh. thing. And so they, they fixed it. And instead, it's you give them some seeds and they become your friend. And like... Oh. It's, I think it all comes down to prejudice. People don't take video games as a very serious form of media, despite some of the best storytelling ever happening through the medium and some of the best things you could possibly learn being available right there, just in video game format. People don't seem to recognize it. There's a weird sort of social disconnect. And I think that's the biggest reason why. I like that you brought up Minecraft because I just remembered... So. Keelan and myself, we live in Melbourne. And in Melbourne, they're making a new train loop in the city, Metro Tunnel. And they created that in Minecraft to teach kids about what was happening. This sort of engineering feat of digging underneath a city, creating tunnels that, you know, didn't collapse the whole city into a big, you know, canyon. That's the type of stuff that will spark kids into following you know sort of the carving a pain to like stem industries yeah and wanting to follow that pathway i i love it to me the reason we don't have it yet is time that's all it is mm. we're going to we're going to get to sooner, sooner rather than later the current um curriculum 
designed at schools, which every single teacher I know says is archaic. When I was a student, I felt like it was archaic. I think we can all agree that it, it needs to be up, needs to be updated. It, look, it is. It is a massive undertaking. Okay, and these things don't happen overnight. It, it, it takes a very, very long, long time. When these curriculums were first created, there weren't any video games. It was books. That's how we learn. And I think the same things that were originally put into the general curriculum and syllabus of schools is still what we're doing today. And I think it's it's the wheel starting to slowly turn because the people who grew up with earlier games are now the ones sort of in positions to start rolling it out. You have some teachers who kind of do their own thing and they start introducing a video game and it has good effects and they can put out stuff um, like this, uh, what was his name again? Andre Thomas. He started using video games more. It worked out very well. Here are my results. Try and spread that out. This will spread. It will take time. But I, I think people are going to be better off for it. And in the meantime, if we can get more developers like you know the guys behind Assassin's Creed doing stuff like Viking Age, I think that will help people realize, hey, there is a, there is a benefit to video games that we are not looking at right now. And it needs to be explored because that leads to kids learning of their own volition after school. That is such a powerful tool that needs to be utilized. Yeah. I, I, I would have loved to. I, I think I would be a much, much smarter person <laughs> if I was taught like that. Well, that's the thing. I mean, like some of my favorite things that I ever learned whilst I was in school, I didn't learn from school itself. I learned several years before I should have learned it because I watch science YouTubers. And, you know, like, I, I love that. I think it's so interesting and, like, really fascinating. And so when I asked my physics teacher, like, hey, when are, are we going to learn anything about quarks? He was like, that's university-level stuff. What the f- what the fuck? I'd be like, oh, yeah, I was watching, you know, this YouTube video. I played like, Ratchet and Clank. Captain Quark <laughs> was there. And I would like to learn more about this gentleman. <laughs> but, you know, like, it, it, it leads itself to it becoming self-driven like it's your own self-interest you go hey that was a fun youtube video about the reasons why some mice can glow in the dark that's cool what's the next one about and you learn about something that's actually quite complex you know theoretical physics but it's fun and it's presented in a fun way and you go oh that was fun as well and you keep giving yourself that positive feedback and video games are the best example of that so it I just I, I'm looking forward to it eventually happening, as you said. I'll be I'll be, I'll be long dead before it happens. <laughs> and look, th- was that basically all of us ranting, c- kind of just saying we wish we got to play video games instead of homework? Yes. yes. Boil it down, hundred percent. Absolutely. Look, that's what we have a podcast. We can say whatever the fuck we want. <laughs> but speaking of the podcast, it's time to wrap this one up. I think. Now, if you want to listen to us complain more about homework and school and avocados. We are on Spotify and iTunes, so subscribe and leave us a review. While you're there, check out Fan Critical, who support our show, um, and they have a bunch of fantastic shows themselves. So make sure you um, check them out on all those good podcasting platforms. Check a review, a subscription, all that stuff really, really does help. If you want to keep up to date with all your video game news, storymodegaming.com is a place to be. We're on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at AUS. We're also on Twitch at AUS. 
where you can watch these podcasts recorded live every week. We also have a bunch of video game streams throughout the week. We've got some Final Fantasy coming at you. We've got some Fortnite. We've got some Forest. Any game that starts with an F, we'll probably play it. Um, and we're also on Patreon. Just search for Fan Critical. Chuck a bucks our way and get access to some extra content. But, Keelan, Simon, always a pleasure, lads. Thanks, Thank guys. You. Um, and everyone in the chat, thanks for sticking around. If you come and check us out on Twitch, we do do a little little post show at the end to talk. We're, we're going to be talking about breakfast still. I, I I think I think I have more questions to ask Simon about your hatred for avocado and your hatred for mushrooms. Your hatred for everything good in the world. He's sick, sick man. Drinking coffee out again. That rhymed. That did well done. Thank you. And what what a place to wrap this one up, eh? So thanks for listening, everyone. Hope you had fun. We'll catch you next time. Stay safe. Play some games. Bye. 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 Bye.